Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us on our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. This is a horror podcast, so we're going to be talking about horror things. So the conversation could involve such sensitive subjects such as uh, murder, child abuse, rape, foul language. And with that out of the way, we can say bad language. Yay. Hell yeah. Exactly. (laughs) That is our guest for today. But uh, before we introduce you here, Steve, uh, what do we have coming up in the near future? Uh, We've still got about 10 people on the calendar, so won't go through listing names. But um, aside from that, we've got Chris's webcomic. Just got a new update. Uh, You can catch that at piecesofflesh.com. It is a necromantic cannibal uh, horror story. And my book, A Guide to the Recovery Toolbox, has a coupon code LE69E at smashwords.com. You can pick it up for 99 cents between now and the end of the year. Um, today's guest is Ms. Stephanie Feldman, author of Saturnalia and the Angel of Losses. Welcome. Thank you. Our pleasure. Yes. Um, you Before we get into the meat of the interview, you want to let people know what you're currently working on? Sure. Well, um, we're almost into Saturnalia season, <laughs> my mm. second Saturnalia mm-hmm. season. And we're going to get into the book, but it's a winter solstice book. So i um, excited to be getting ready for that. Again, uh, Saturnalia is also coming out from Verve Books in the UK on October 26th. Nice. So I'm gearing up for that UK publication. And I also have a short story for Halloween. My story, A Chorus of Alba Twitches, is going to be reprinted online uh, from Roadmap Magazine later in October. So I'm excited to share that too. Nice. What was the name of that one again? A Chorus of Alba Twitches. And a chorus of Alba Twitch? Is that all one oh, word? Yeah. Alba Twitches? Alba Twitch is, uh, yes, it's a Pennsylvania cryptid oh. that, I'm ch- that I will never stop championing. So. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like the name for the group of them? Like how there's a murder of crows and a conspiracy of... Yeah. Well, that's, that's the name I gave to them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's like a new twist I have not, I have yet to hear on <laughs> fictional writing. It's like developing your own name for a group because they have that in real life. Why not have it? Yeah. Albert, that's a new like one too. Well, uh, I don't know how much we've talked, um, you know, outside of this. I know I give you a handout at StokerCon, but um, the theme of the interview here is we break it into like four sections. Uh, the first three are talking about your fandom uh, of horror related stuff in your uh, childhood, teen, and, and adult years, and then the fourth section is sort of a wrap up where we talk about any common themes that may have occurred in, coming up in the other three. So, starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Oh, I'll probably be like the millionth person to tell you this, but um, scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that book so vividly, mm-hmm. and of course, the illustrations in it. So, I always loved spooky stories and ghost stories, and then. When I got a little older, I was a big Christopher Pike fan. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated to Anne Rice. And that's really what I, I sort of grew up on. Those were like the formative books for me, or, or horror books anyway. Was there particular scary stories uh, to tell in the dark that stood out to you? Well, I know everybody. Oh, who's a scarecrow? Harold? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I really remember. I can't remember the name of the story, but there was... Um, the ghost that had uh, the corpse that had coins over her eyes. Mm. And then um, the characters took away the coins and then the ghost came back. I remember that one. Mm. Yeah. What, uh, what did you like about that one? 
I can still see the the image in my head of that ghost. I love a ghost. I'm not like a big like gore person for horror, but I love a ghost. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Any idea what it is that you like about ghosts? They scared. Oh, I almost said a curse, but we can say curses. Yes, you can. We can. We can. Say they, we they scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, there is something like otherworldly and paranormal yeah. and just like intangible about about ghosts that are scary, especially because I guess the lore that comes with most of them is they can either touch or affect you in some way, but usually they're intangible to you. So it's that whole separation of they can hurt you. You can't do anything to them. Yeah. And they can be anywhere. Right. And they sort of sneak up on you and you see something out of the corner of your eye or you, you feel a chill and usually, you know, they're, they're dangerous, even though they can't, they might not hurt you physically. Like often, you know, the ghosts are here because they have some kind of unfinished business. And in the story, you know, you, if it's a, a happening to you in real life or in a fictional story, the character, you, you get roped into that unfinished business. Mm. So they sort of draw you in. Yeah, you can't, they're not easy to, to escape, I think. For Christopher Pike, what any particular book stand out to you? Let's see. What's the best Christopher Pike book? You know, I just reread... Oh, hold on one second, because now I'm blanking on the title. Uh, Road to Nowhere is a good one. I really, I read all of them. There's re- the Remember Me books. There's a like sad ghost. I do like a sad ghost, but that that didn't appeal to me as much at the time. I think I really loved those books too, because they sort of, they, they sort of treated their readers, even though they're young adult readers, as, as grownups. And you know, the characters were really getting into it. There was violence and there was like a little bit of sex. And he really used a lot of different kinds of folklore and stories. I mean, the Midnight Club was was great. I have sort of like mixed feelings on the adaptation that was just on Netflix. But I really love the book. Although that's another like sad horror. I kind of love sad horror too. <laughs> sad horror can be fun. Yeah. What do you like about sad horror? God, am I just a sad person, maybe? <laughs> you know, it's a great um, movie. If we can, like, move ahead a little bit and, like, <laughs> my evolution, my, like, horror coming of age. Because I think, you know, I, I grew up reading those books. And then my reading tastes sort of shifted. But I was still always into horror movies. Okay. And... One of my favorite movies is The Devil's Backbone, the Guillermo del Toro movie. Have you seen that one? Oh, it's Spanish. I have, yeah. Is that the one with the little boy? Yeah. Now that is a ghost. Oh, man. It's a, mm-hmm. a Spanish language movie, and it's it takes place during the Spanish Civil War that, to be honest, I still don't entirely understand. <laughs> okay. Um, I, then I have seen this one, I think. Okay. Yeah. And there's a ghost in that that is pretty scary, but, you know, he's a ghost that you end up really, you know, he's been wronged like many ghosts. Mm-hmm. And I ended up feeling sort of like, you know, protective of him. And so it's it's a kind of story that it scares you, but it also, you know, draws on some other, you know, really like fundamental sort of, you know, instincts and urges we have about like justice and protection. 
you know, children in danger is always like a good trigger to get (laughs) for investment. I really like that movie a lot. That's one of my favorites. Okay. How old were you when you saw that? I saw when it came out, which I think was about 20 years ago. I have to like give away how old I am, but I guess that's fine. So (laughs) (laughs) So I think think it came out when I was in college. Okay. So I'll move down to the adult section. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we're really going year by year. Well, <laughs> or era by year. era. <laughs> yeah, era yeah. by era. So it, it, we can bounce around. Mm-hmm. I, but I like to try to put things in context so that I can yeah. understand the if there's like growth or something like that in a particular area. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't like ch- really charted my horror evolution that much. I think when I was in high school, middle school and high school, I watched like every horror movie you could get from Blockbuster. Mm. <laughs> that was yeah. like Friday night and Saturday night. You would not be the only one. <laughs> yeah. So like every, like I loved like a B movie. I also love like, you know, well, I hate, I, I don't know how you guys feel about this. Like, how do you feel about the term elevated horror, smart horror? I like it. I'm yeah. a fan. It's um, it is a charged word these days, but um, yeah. I am a fan. Yeah. I mean, I love all of that, those sorts of like films too, but like the A23 stuff kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think A24. A24. Close enough. A25. You're thinking assemblage 23. (laughs) We probably had that conversation not too long ago. Yeah. I kind of think even B movie kind of horror has something really smart at its core because. You know, all horror is really about, you know, our biggest fears and also how, you know, society sort of constructs and maintains itself and what is safe and what isn't, who is safe, who isn't, you know, how we should behave, how we should act, what our expected roles are and what happens when we, we transgress. So I tend to think even like the goofiest of (laughs) horror has something sort of you know, intelligent there at its, at its core. But yeah, so I watch like every horror movie from uh, A to Z. <laughs> okay. okay. No, you're right though. Like even films like, uh, like Tucker and Dale, it has some intelligence to it. Like there's yeah. that underlying satire of, Oh, these kids are actually in essence killing themselves because they don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Going back to Anne Rice, what any particular uh, book or scene in the book uh, stand out to you? Yeah. So my favorite Anne Rice uh, was always the witching hour. Okay. Um, I mean, I like the vampires. Don't get me wrong. Like they're good. I'm watching the um, most recent interview with the vampire adaptation now. Oh yeah. The show, the How show that I like it. You know, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the original film. I just didn't think Tom Cruise was like a good Lestat. And Rice really liked that his performance and thought Tom Cruise was perfect. I just thought it was a little bit like silly. My gut was that it was a little too clean, but then at the same time, I, I could also see, you know, if you're upper class society that, you know, maybe it was fitting. I don't know, but yeah, I don't the know. The vibe I got from him wasn't as clean as portrayed in that movie. Maybe he's also just like always Tom Cruise. (laughs) So he was just like Tom Cruise with like a lot of like pancake makeup and like a ponytail and fangs. (laughs) Let's stack it off your motorcycle. What are you doing? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I remember the I remember the ponytail more than the fangs. So that's really saying something <laughs> about that performance. When you remember a ponytail more than the fangs on a vampire. Yeah. Yes, that, that says yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, but I, I love the witching hour. It it's an epic book. The it's I think there are three books in this series. And like the second two are fine, I guess. I don't remember. The first one's really good. It's it's like a thousand pages and it includes a whole family history so they're the family of witches in the in new orleans and in this beautiful you know atmospheric house which was actually based on her house oh really yeah um and which when i i've been to new orleans many times and i always like to walk by and like wave to her house and imagine the character who was at the beginning of the book there's one character who's always sitting on the porch in a, in a rocking chair That's so, so cool yeah, yeah. So, and that's a a book also that makes such a great use of place as like all of her work does because she's such a New Orleans author and that's something that I've you know started to really try to do in my own work, you know. It's hard for Pennsylvania to compete with New Orleans mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of atmosphere, but I'm I'm trying to turn it up and like really find that mid-Atlantic car. So even now it's something I look back and I can really appreciate that about her work. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of got that, uh, that built in environment. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Pennsylvania the location of the town that uh, doesn't stop burning? Correct. Yes. There you go. You got that. We do. Is that, Oh, I'm forgetting. It's not intercourse. We also have a town called intercourse. Yes. <laughs> there, there's a lot of weird stuff. And I don't, I didn't mean to like, you know, talk bad about my home state or actually <laughs> Commonwealth. There's a lot of weird stuff here, including Alba twitches, which I can tell you about later too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I looked those up. So they're, they're basically a skinny ginger Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh. They're, I kind of think of them as like a kind of like a mini Bigfoot that they're called Alba twitches because they're known for throwing apples at you people because people are aggravating to them and they're like you know that's their defense mechanism the albatrices in my story are a little different i tried to like imagine you know these like cryptids that have a society that are kind of in a very uneasy truce with humans um Mm -hmm. so yeah there's like a lot of good stuff in in pennsylvania too i mean we have you know edgar Allan poe was here he wrote the i think he wrote the raven here but we're in a fight with we're in a fight with Baltimore over Edgar Allan Poe. Just like we're <laughs> we're also in a fight with Boston over Ben Franklin. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I, guess, I, I think they can keep Ben Franklin. He's a nobody. <laughs> really? We actually have a guy here. I'm never sure if he's like paid by the city or he's just a guy, but he's dressed up like Ben Franklin all the time. Mm. And you can like see him on the bus. And then I found out Boston also has a Ben Franklin impersonator. So I, I don't know. I think there's like a cage fight in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> ben Franklin versus Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm. The Octagon. <laughs> I'll totally watch that. I would pay to watch that. Nice. <laughs> So going back to the witching hour, um, was it, you mentioned the family history of witches and the atmospheric house. Was there anything else uh, about that story that really stood out to you? Well, it's funny. I think those are the things that have sort of stayed with me in my own work. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe at the, at the time, I'm not sure what else grabbed me, but you know, that, that not, I think could okay, be influential. Either. I like also love a, a haunted house and that's very tricky in fiction too, because I've struggled a lot with characters who can't 
who are stuck in houses and there's like only so much you can do in a house. (laughs) So she did a really good job of using her, her man, her haunted mansion. (laughs) Well, that's why they disappear for a while because you get bored. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Did you participate in Halloween as a kid? You know what? I am not great at Halloween. I love Halloween, but I don't love dressing up. Okay. Last year, I, I finally realized one of my dreams of really like really decorating for Halloween. And we turned our front lawn into a haunted tiki room. Okay. Uh, (laughs) That's something different. (laughs) Yes. Something different. We had all our skeletons and they were decked out with lays and they had drinks. And I set up a little tiki like hut to give out candy and I got some skeleton mermaids. So right now it's, um, it's October 1st. We just got all our skeletons out of the garage and I'm like, damn, I have a lot of skeleton mermaids. And I'm trying to think of if, you know, we can sort of um, turn it into a different theme or if this is just like what our house is now. It is just a haunted tiki room, which is maybe also <laughs> fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That works year round. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, different. we got three big like life-size skeletons and then we just never took them inside. So <laughs> they have been living like in our backyard in different positions like on the chairs like we have a hammock so they were in the hammock like at one point we have like this patch of ivy and one of them was just like in the ivy which was kind of scary actually (laughs) (laughs) that's a great place for one finally yeah Yeah, finally we brought them in in august which did not even make sense because here we are and it's october so they're all they're all coming out again (laughs) (laughs) i guess we're that house (laughs) yeah yeah can relate i have uh, a couple of skeletons that stay up year round including one that uh steve actually gifted to me on christmas one year i think i think so you won't even know it's a skeleton because it's a fully clothed skeleton and then also wrapped in garbage bags. <laughs> so it's you my just, body buddy. You just see the skull? No. No, you just see a like a human shaped uh garbage. It looks bag. like it's a yeah, it looks like a human wrapped up in a, a body bag. Have you ever gotten like a visit from <laughs> law enforcement? <laughs> well, it's on the back porch, but yeah, yeah. I imagine if I put it you know what? I might put it on the front porch this year. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, you know, I've, I've lived in this neighborhood for three years now, and I haven't seen any of the local police. You know, I figure this is a way to, to, to suss them out. Like, hey, officer. Yeah, no, I'm not doing anything legal. I just want to say hi. This is how I got you. Yeah, that was just the invitation. I think that's a great yes. a great birthday present. Another thing that we, we do is we sort of recognize Halloween at, at Christmas. Um, because okay. you, um, maybe you know this, but Christmas is a big ghost story uh, occasion, mm-hmm. especially in yeah. England, historically. Well, yeah, I mean, Scrooge. Yeah, know. exactly. Scrooge, you know, the I think the BBC still does like a Christmas or a ghost story every year. So um, we always have a, a ghost story party at our, our house around Christmas time and invite friends over and tell ghost stories and, you know, keep the spooky season alive. Nice. Yeah. Sounds so fun. Yeah. did you have any scary dreams when you were a kid? scary dreams or repeating Mm -hmm. dreams oh yes i mean i have scary repeating dreams now (laughs) we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember from childhood really okay yeah was there ever a time in real life that you were scared of something as a child uh oh i'm scared all the time (laughs) (laughs) that's why that's probably why i enjoy this is why horror makes me happy because it's very mm. cathartic. Mm-hmm. 
flipping that question around, was there ever a time in your childhood when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss? Hmm. Well, you know, I had a, I mean, I had a good childhood, okay. even though I said I was scared all the time. I'm just neurotic. So <laughs> I think like <laughs> I do, like I always felt safe at home, like very lucky to have had that experience, um, except in the basement, obviously. And it was a totally fine basement, but you know, basements in general are like cursed places. Mm, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Dark and I, spooky. I don't like it when everybody else is asleep and I'm awake still to this day. Like that is not comfortable for me. (laughs) There's just something not right about that. And okay. So the next two questions, um, they're also paired, but I'm going to start on the negative. So we can start to end on the positive. Okay. Do you remember the first person you hurt? Oh, there's this probably my little sister. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's usually siblings. That yeah, makes sense. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Maybe she should, and we can we can like work through it. <laughs> See, it's a cathartic show, you know. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember anything specific, and I don't think I bullied her any worse than um, you know most older siblings. <laughs> but you know, I gave her a hard time for sure. <laughs> of course. Do you remember the first person you helped? Well, it would be nice if it was her too, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could like make up for it. I mean, I watch, I have two kids now and I, the older one gives the younger one a hard time, but she's also Mm. there for her when she's upset or has school problems. So, you know, maybe it was. Such is the sibling life. I know it's very fraught. It's like Mm. wild to just like watch it unfold. Best friend and best enemy at the same time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, so some of our guests have reported that there was like a dividing line in their childhood where before this dividing line, they were terrified by horror. And then after this dividing line, they were now finding enjoyment in it. Mm. It's at least from what you were describing, it sounds like there was always pleasure. So I'm asking, was there like, was there that kind of dividing line? And was there something before that, that we haven't talked about? Or was it always pleasure? Um, you know what? I Okay, now I'm like digging deep into my memory. I didn't realize this was going to be like quite the therapy session that it is, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so like I said before, I always remember like enjoying scary stories, but here's the thing. Okay, I have a, an early memory of catching Night of the Living Dead on TV Okay, when I was definitely too young for that. And I don't know how old I was, but I think I must have been pretty small maybe like five or six like where were my parents by the way I don't know um but I that movie it wasn't the original because I remember it was um in color and I have like this vivid memory of like a zombie eating somebody's head Mm. like just biting right into their skull (laughs) and that was it for that that person like their eyes kind of roll up but like they can't get away that really scared me and for months and months I, I could not, I was like scared to sleep alone. I was like, could see that image. I think aside from that, I always, and I love zombies now, uh, weirdly, <laughs> but aside from that, I always enjoyed the scary stories. Cause they, you know, they're, they're thrilling. And, you know, like I said, for someone who had some like anxiety or, or fears, they really help you work through that and get it out of your system a little bit, channel it, you know, they do. It's funny that when you were talking about Night of the Living Dead, you made this comment of, I don't know where my parents were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering if 
if maybe they were asleep and maybe that's tied to what you just said a moment ago about <sighs> being afraid when ev- when you're in the house awake and everybody else is asleep. Yeah, those yeah. Two could be related. it could be. I don't know. I think I was maybe too young for that, but it also could have been that I, you know, I changed the channel and saw it for like three minutes. I don't know. It, in my Possibly. memory, I feel like I, you know, spent a lot of time with those zombies, but. Maybe I was thinking not. maybe they left the TV on and fell asleep and you just happened to wake yeah. up and, you know. It could be. One of those moments. Mm-hmm. I've never asked them. They wouldn't remember anyway. <laughs> Where were you on this day, you know, <laughs> right. decades ago? Yeah. <laughs> Get the detective swinging overhead lamp too. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you? I'm going to go online and try to find an old TV guide. And when was, you know, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead on network. Right. Uh, moving into teenage years, what were some of your favorite scary stories or books or movies during your teenage years? Yeah, my teenage years, I don't think I was reading a lot of horror. I was reading a lot of, God, I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. I was reading like Jack Kerouac. Oh my God. But um, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. You know, that's like teen literature. It, absolutely. And then, you know, just a lot of other sort of like mainstream and literary fiction although i always like appreciated you know magical realism and speculative we i didn't know that term maybe that wasn't a term then speculative literature Mm -hmm. but i I always stayed there so i think in my in high school it was really more of like horror film that was uh cooking my brain (laughs) yeah anything jump out to you I don't know what the, I think that was just like a period of my life where I was like, you know, you're just saying before, I don't know, before we started recording garbage in, garbage out Mm. (laughs) for computers. That was sort of my head. Just like, yeah. Watching, watching everything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing you didn't participate in Halloween as a teen then. I didn't really. I, I was, I was still in my sleepover era. I mean, I spent a lot of time with the Ouija board. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, sort of games like that, for sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. So we said no for Halloween. Um, any particularly scary dreams or, or recurring dreams as a teen? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Anything particularly scary happen in real life as a teen? Uh, whoa, I don't know. I mean, I feel like adolescence is like truly harrowing. <laughs> I think <laughs> that just, is not an uncommon response. Yeah, a lot of people are like, just, just teens in just general. Existence, that was, going yeah. to school every day, um, mm-hmm. clicks. Yeah. I mean, now I'm trying to remember when did the craft come out? Because I definitely loved that, that movie. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Would have been nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe that was when I was in high school too, I think. So I definitely like, I loved that movie. I got to show it to my daughter who is not in high school yet, but I was excited to show it to her. And I was like, what do you think? She's like, it's fine. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's like one of the most insulting answers you can get. Like, it's fine. What? Favorite thing ever. I know. (laughs) I know. My husband's still like battling with her because he's like the Star Wars person. Mm -hmm. So he tries to watch all the Star Wars. But you know, you have to be, you can't project too much on your kids. Like it's nice if they can enjoy what you enjoyed, but you know, don't get your hopes up (laughs) for their own people. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yep. So what did you like about the craft? Um, I like those like badass bitches. Like <laughs> I like some high school girls that are just total like weirdos, but you know, I think a lot of 
a lot of what's attractive about the figure of the witch is also a desire for power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you feel really powerless when you're a kid. Uh, I don't know. I still feel pretty powerless. <laughs> it's just how life is. So the idea that you could, you know, sort of gain some power over your circumstances is really appealing. But I think also like the idea of the coven is, is very appealing. And maybe that's what I also liked about the witching hour, the Anne Rice book in that family, uh, although they were quite dysfunctional, but um, the idea that you had people who were just like always on your side that you could trust absolutely and that they understood you, mm. you know, I mean, that's also like a prime time for feeling misunderstood. So I always, you know, would love to have a coven. I'd love to have a coven now. <laughs> I guess I'll everybody co- needs a coven. Yeah. I'll share like my Instagram later. If you want to start a coven, like DM me, <laughs> <Just> let me know. <laughs> <laughs> let me know. Okay. I'm taking applications. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, being in in or near Philly, I'm I, I'm sure there are a couple already in in progress. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, any particular moments in your teens when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, I not mean, an uncommon answer yeah. like that. No, no, it was teens. No, maybe, probably there was one or two times. Mm. <laughs> I remember that was like a lot of th- those were years of turmoil for me. Mm. <laughs> but I did, ha- I did have good friends. Like we did, so- I did have my own little like covens, even even if we didn't have any magical powers. So, <laughs> mm. you know, it's funny. I keep thinking about your questions. Keep making me think about the sleepovers that I had with my friends and how those were really like safe spaces, even though they were also, you know, the spaces where we might be watching scary movies or playing with a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, would you ever do uh, uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board? Oh, yeah, of course. It works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that led into the next question that I wanted to ask, which is, did you have friends in your teens that were fans of horror? Or, like, was it just what you just mentioned here? Like, because that's a typical sleepover thing to do. Yeah. But were were any of your friends in, in those years actually fans of horror? I don't, I don't think anyone was like a hardcore, you know, like horror is my identity kind of person. I don't think, you know, I really was either. I, I feel like I missed out on my, you know, goth opportunities though. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe it's not too late. <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late. I mean, if I could go back to high school, I would just like go full goth but instead I was kind of like a secret God, like on the outside you were like, Oh, is she like a mathlete? But mm-hmm. on the inside, my soul was goth. <laughs> I know the feeling like there. <laughs> I used to live in Tampa, which is where Chris is. And there's a, a club there called the masquerade or, or actually, now I'm thinking of the castle. I'm mixing the two. Yes. Um, and it's kind of funny because I used to like going in there and I'd be going in there wearing shorts and a t-shirt. You know, like, <laughs> But it, they'd, they'd be like khaki shorts, like yeah. <laughs> white, <laughs> like white t-shirt. Shorts. Yeah, exactly. I didn't care. I but I just enjoyed they don't the care. atmosphere. They exactly. All kinds, well, it was yeah. it was kind of funny because you people would yeah. give give me a look and be like, I don't know if I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> Which Maybe. is fair because I actually did see some pretty bullshit stuff happen there. But well, it anyway. seems like a lot of the culture is also about you know your dress and makeup and like i was saying earlier that i was never a costume person Mm. so and even like 
you know, now I'm very happy just in my athleisure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving into adulthood then. So you mentioned the devil's backbone. Anything else uh, stand out to you in your adult years? You mentioned yeah. movies and, and elevated horror. Once I get into college, I really started thinking about horror and ghost stories, especially and in new ways. Um, that's when I started reading um, gothic literature. Uh, you know, not goth as in the black lipstick, but as in like the 18th century, you know. Visigoths. Visigoths. You know, books like, well, I think Frankenstein's counts, but also earlier, like, um, you know, the Anne Radcliffe books or the Matthew Lewis books. You know, I was reading them as part of my, you know, studies as an English major. I ended up writing my thesis on um, those books. And they really influenced my first novel, The Angel of Losses. Even though I don't think people really think of that as a horror book or a gothic book, like I definitely do because it's about family legacies that you can't escape and, um, you know, the the burdens of inheritance and family curses and was really influenced by by gothic literature. So that's when I started to think about horror in a more sort of sophisticated way. You know, what are these kinds of stories and tropes really, really getting at, you know, socially and emotionally? Okay. Uh, let's see. You mentioned Radcliffe. There was another author, but I wasn't able to write it down in time. Oh, uh, Matthew Lewis. Lewis. Um, anything you particularly remember about his work? Yes. So he wrote The Monk, which is one of the, you know, more famous Gothic novels. And it's just about like an evil monk. Like, so, <laughs> so horror really tells you what people in your era are, are afraid of, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, there are a lot of narratives about this when you look at like uh, cinema, right? And Godzilla is, you know, we're all afraid of like the nuclear bomb. And then 28 days later is we're all afraid of Virus. AIDS or other viruses, right? And mm-hmm. in the 18th century, the British were like really afraid of the Catholics. <laughs> so a lot of it. So the monk is like the evil monk. You get a lot of evil Italians in in British literature of that time, which I mean, yeah, yeah. There was this whole inquisition thing and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the Catholic church was a, a formidable force back then. It is understandably uh, understandable to be afraid. Yeah. And also that was just like how they defined their society and nationality. You know, we are not Catholic. And so mm-hmm. anything that is attacking Britishness is frightening, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's just fascinating to think of how like fragile our feelings are when it comes to nationality and how those are exploited. I mean, even, you know, now that that's not a thing that has gone away. So yeah, that was like a real window into what these kinds of stories can, can do and what, you know, what they can explore and yeah. reveal. I find, uh like as as I get further and further into horror fandom, if you will, those kind of things really intrigue me more is, is the things that are rooted in, in real evil and real hate. Like, mm-hmm. cause, cause it really did and can happen. And if it's in present tense. Yeah. For adult years, do you remember the last person you, 
you are bleh. <laughs> last the person you hurt. Yep. Oh. Last person you hurt. I uh, so I'm a teacher. <laughs> okay. I'm a teacher and uh, I teach fiction on um, the college level and I have a, I, I don't know if I heard her. This is really staying with me. I have a new student and and I was working with her on a story. And after I got off the phone with her, I was like, Oh, you know, I think I went really hard on this story. Mm. And, and I, you know, I wrote to her later and I was like, you know, trust, try to check in and, and be encouraging. Cause I always want to be encouraging. You know, my goal is not to shut people down or hurt people at all, but even though it's, it's always difficult to receive feedback, it's still difficult for me too. That's just how it is. But, um, Mm. you know, I always just want to be encouraging and help people think about their stories in new ways. And I'm worried I did not do that with her. I mean, who knows? Maybe she's she's totally fine and brush it off. <laughs> but I, I've been worried the last month. It's been weighing on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was you never like, know how. Sorry, you're going to say something, Chris? I was going to say like those those self fabricated uh, guilt moments where you're just like, oh, was I too hard on them? You know, was yeah. it was I too mean? And very likely the the real truth is they're just like, eh, bad grade whatever yeah yeah she's she's obviously like busy and she's not yeah. she's not thinking about me every day she shouldn't be i right. mean that would be exactly. a waste of her time um, <laughs> so i i can't yeah. really say if i heard her or not but i i'm worried that um you know i discouraged her mm. well, yeah. i would say maybe that's an amalgamation of the two questions you know when's the last person you hurt when's the last person you I helped was maybe you well. did both yeah. yeah i i hope i hope it was ultimately helpful <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other than that, do you, is there anybody else in mind that um, jumps to mind if when I asked the last person you helped? Yeah, you know what? I help my kids every day, every day of their lives. I help there you them, go. and That's they, an easy one. do they even appreciate Are they with it? An air shot. <laughs> Hold on, subconsciously. Let me, let me open all the doors and shout right. that again. <laughs> um, but uh, in addition, in addition to them. <laughs> It's really, I mean, it just makes me think of like my writer community too, because so many people helped me and continue to help me, you know, reading my work and giving me feedback and giving me advice. And I really try to do the same for people whenever I can, you know, so if that means like reading a story and giving you feedback or looking at your query letter or just talking about the publishing industry and like, what, what should your strategies be? Or what does this mean? I always try to be there for my friends and former students or just contacts who, who are out there in the world, because, you know, I'm so grateful for all the people who have given their time to help me. Understood. Yeah. Excuse me. I think we had briefly touched on the, you said that you had some reoccurring dreams as an adult. Oh yeah. Um, I actually just wrote an essay about the touches on, on this. I used to have, I used to have recurring dreams that my that I was visiting with my grandfather who had passed away. Mm-hmm. And that actually became one of the inspirations for my first book, The Angel of Losses. The character in that book has dreams where she's visiting with her grandfather. And I was writing about that because I was thinking about all the ways that our, you know, writing and storytelling can sometimes feel uncanny and reveal things about our lives or sometimes it even seems to predict the future. That's my experience. Mm. So I've been thinking about those dreams. I don't have them anymore. Maybe 
if they were ever real in some way, maybe that means he's finally moved on. <laughs> he's found something better to do <laughs> than hang around in my dreams. I have on a totally different kind of recurring nightmare. I do have, my nightmares are always about being chased hmm. sometimes with guns. Guns hmm. scare me a lot. So yeah, when I have recurring nightmares, it's often about like being chased. I'm not very fast. I was at the gym this morning. I can barely keep up. I'm just very slow person constitutionally. <laughs> so if a zombie, if anyone tries to chase me, I am really in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Can't relate. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I I used to ride my bike a lot when I was a kid, and I can ride my I can ride a bike like nobody's business. But running, I. I have never been able to find a good stride. Like I, I can run run for like a block and I am so winded I, I could pass it. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I am not I can, a runner. I can't find in my stride. Uh, and people have tried to show me and teach me and it just doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. I can I can run five miles in two minutes. Yeah. Definitely not a <laughs> pack a day smoker and I would just Give up after about 30 feet, probably. Yeah, I, I cannot run either. Listen, next time I come to Florida, I'll bring the stopwatch. <laughs> yeah, right. Bring a bring 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 a maybe a, a nebulizer too. <laughs> uh, ah, crap. What's the word? I was gonna say a cot, but inhaler. Um, no, what's the f- shit? The thing that two people carry that someone would oh, a stretcher. On. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yes. Go. yes, bring bring one of those. You will need a stretcher. <laughs> uh, is a but has anything actually terrified you as in real life as an adult? Not okay. Not to make it too real, I am so terrified of climate change right now. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Is there something with that in the recent news? Because I've been hearing a lot more like prepper Storms. things coming up, and like, did another large chunk fall off the? Uh, um, well, Arctic shelf. New York flooded something terrible. Oh, um, oh yeah, I saw a video yeah. of that. That was awful. Which I think is also, it's not just that it was a, you know, a very intense storm, but also they have some infrastructure problems that, you know, they have not updated their infrastructure. So I think it's a combination mm-hmm. of things, but it sure did look apocalyptic. Um, yeah. We got very bad Canadian wildfire smoke here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I guess it was like the too. beginning of the summer. It was we had a couple nights that were very, very scary. And I'm like, I'm in my house. I can't, I'm having trouble breathing and I don't have any, I mean, knock on wood, I have to knock on wood. I, I don't have any like underlying respiratory conditions though. I, who knows what COVID left me with, but I was really struggling yeah. to breathe, which I, is not a, an experience I'm used to. And there's nowhere to go. Right. Yeah. There's that's another thing go. I keep thinking of whenever I see like the California wildfires, or I think they were more on Colorado. It's like, like the ones that take over an entire town, mm-hmm. there is nothing you can do, but abandon your stuff and find shelter. Yeah. It, yeah. If you, if you can. So, and we've had some very bad storms here. So yeah, I have never felt quite like my life is in danger, you know, more than have like the last couple of years with the extreme weather that we've had. So that is like my, mm-hmm big fear right now yeah yeah that's totally a real understandable uh real life fear when the entire thing that you live on could break (laughs) (laughs) yeah we got um, i'm currently living in ohio and we got some of that smoke uh from canada here as well it was not really that far down huh yeah 
Eight. And speaking of the flooding in New York, it's not just New York. It was New Jersey as well, because I have a friend that lives there and we were talking about that. And you were saying, you know, some of your concern was the uh, infrastructure in New York. It's not just mm-hmm. the infrastructure in New Jersey. They were getting so much rain that they actually had to open up certain dams to keep the reservoirs from um, being mm. damaged. Wow. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. So they it had to intentionally flood some areas uh, to maintain the structure of the, the reservoir. Yeah. And it happens so fast. Yeah. You yeah. know, you can't really prepare, you know, you might know the storm, a storm is coming, but you don't know how bad it's going to get until it's, um, you know, yeah, it's too late to escape the effects of it sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's that thing with the flooding is that it, it's often delayed because it takes time for that water to gather. But then once it's gathered, like you say, it's, it's immediate. It's, yeah. Yeah. Flash flood. I mean, so um, flipping that question around again, was there <laughs> ever a time in your adult life when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss? Um, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that, uh, you know, the, and I, I don't think it's just me. I think this is a, a human thing. The bad stuff stays with us more than the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think of that also, you know, we have to remind ourselves that with like book reviews and things like that. You tend to remember that stuff more strongly than, you know, the positive feedback you get sometimes. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think again, just to think of like my home, which has always felt like a very safe and calm place. And then, you know, that has changed because of things like the wildfire smoke and the bad storms that we've had. Uh, And that's really been a tough thing that I've been dealing with the last couple of years is being like, okay, the, the place that was safe to me, I mean, it's even during the, the pandemic where it was like a home was where you were safe. You know, it's also maybe where you felt, you know, kind of stuck <laughs> and who knows what other kind of like difficult things. Cause it's not easy being home all the time either though. I am normally a homebody kind of person, but yeah, I feel like the last couple of years I've sort of like lost my safe place a little bit and that's really tough. But I'm like, I would be, I'm very happy to be on my couch in front of the fireplace with my family, watch those kids I help all the time, um, <laughs> watching Survivor. Because <laughs> they don't watch horror movies, but when they're gone, I'm, then I'm very happy with the fireplace on, you know, watching the new interview with the vampire series. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So the next two questions I'm going to give you at the same time, because it could be the same answer for both, or it could be two different answers. Mm-hmm. What movie have you watched more times than any other? And what would you say is your favorite movie? Okay. So I think I have thought, cause I've thought about this a little bit. I think the movie that I have seen more than any other movie is not a horror movie, but it's bend it like Beckham, <laughs> the soccer movie, hmm. the British soccer huh. movie. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, I like it a lot. I don't know how it's come out to be the movie I've watched the most. Like Jeff Beckham or whatever his name is. The guy, the guy who's married to Posh Spice. Yes. Je- it's not, no, it's not. It's not Jeff. Jeff. It's, it's not David Beckham. David Beckham. Beckham. Yes. David. yes that. <laughs> My name is Jeff. Yeah. He's, he's not actually, it's not about, <laughs> it's not about him, but it's about these two uh, teenage girls. They just want to play football. They don't call it soccer. Right. But like girls mm-hmm. don't play football. This is also, I think from the late nineties, you know, but they triumph. And then in the end they see, Posh and Bex in the airport. Spoiler. 
Um, so I've seen that movie a, a million times, but I think the horror movie I've seen the most is probably Shaun of the Dead. I love that movie. Come back to zombies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that movie. I'm not, I, I don't usually gravitate towards the horror comedies, but you know, that's such a good one. Definitely. Yeah. Jeez. Did you say that one was uh, your favorite or tied for? That's the one I probably watched the most. I think of what's my favorite horror movie. I would also say the zombie no, movie. No, 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 not not favorite horror. Favorite. Oh, just any, any favorite yes. movie. Yeah, in general. Um, you know what? It was okay. I'll tell you. So, okay, my favorite. <laughs> it's hard to say just one. So, can I give right. you a few that are just sure. like the top tier? Yeah. So, the one that comes to mind that isn't horror is Wonder Boys, which is. It's Michael Douglas, and he plays a writer, uh, a professor. I think it's probably, I don't know if they name it, but it's, it's the University of Pittsburgh, basically. And it takes place over a weekend during their, you know, writer festival. And Tobey Maguire is his troubled student, and Robert Downey Jr. is his agent. And he's trying to finish his book. And I'm not usually one for, like, media about writers. It just gets to be very navel-gazy. But this one is really good. And funny and down to earth. So I, that's one of my top movies. You know, it's not a hundred percent accurate in every way, probably, but I think it captures that sort of writer world best from anything I've seen. But my other favorite movies that are horror movies are 28 days later. It's a good one. That's a good one. And the changeling, the 1980, the changeling, you have to watch it. Yes. That's another one with like a child ghost. I love a ghost that again is sort of like te- that's terrifying, but also sympathetic. Ooh, uh, wanted to bring this up earlier when you mentioned you were into ghost stories. If you have not seen it, definitely recommend we are still here. Is it? Oh, I have I don't know that one. Is that new? Semi new, like the last 10 years or so. Okay. It's, um, yeah, it's like, it's like a different take on a ghost story. It's really good. Okay. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. I like Which- the others a lot. Have you seen, you know, um, you've probably seen that one, the Nicole Kidman one. That was my answer for my interview for the one that I've seen the most times because, Ah. uh, fun story, I used to be a projectionist and the film for the others stuck to itself. So we had to have someone go up there in the projection booth and babysit it. Otherwise it would stick to itself and it would just throw the whole film on the floor. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've. I watched the others a couple times. <laughs> well, I think if you had to watch a movie, you know, over and over and over again, that's probably a better one to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it, it gave uh, a different viewing angle too when rewatching it because there's that twist at the end. So when you know yeah. it, it, it gives it a different uh, a feel. Yeah. yeah, it's a good twist. I think so. Yeah. What did you like about Twenty Eight Days Later? I let's let me let me go back in time to when I first saw. It. I remember I saw it in. This was another movie I saw in college on campus. It was screened like in a, I think there was like a cinema on campus. And it's just, it's a scary movie. It was unexpected because we were used to sort of the, the slow zombies. Mm -hmm. I know that's kind of a, maybe it's not anymore. At the time it was very controversial. Like, can you even call them zombies if they're fast? Mm -hmm. They're infected. Yeah, right there. The infected, like, okay, whatever. I mean, slow (laughs) zombies are good. Fast zombies are good. Like let's, Yeah, yeah, they're both good. But yeah, it was sort of, it was surprising. I mean, Danny Boyle is such a good filmmaker, so it's just a very effective movie. And I also, you know, the characters are really good and they feel very mm-hmm. authentic. And where it goes at the end with mm-hmm. the military and how they're treating like 
the two women characters just feels it just it, it takes the horror of it to a whole other level. Like we think we know what to be afraid of, mm-hmm. and then it just escalates in a way that was unexpected for me at the time. I mean, this I guess this is back to like elevated horror, right? And you know, you can yeah. think about like older slashers where you know the teenage girls or the topless girls are going to get knifed and the, the misogyny of it is like very on the surface. Mm-hmm. And I think 28 days later did it in a very, you know, careful and, and smart. And again, a way that felt very true to life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about yeah. uh, the real scary horror things being like those that are, are real threats in real life. And I think they were ahead of their time with that film. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a good movie. Do you see any common threads about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical? So the only kind of horror that I tend not to watch, I said I'm not like huge in, into gory stuff, but I do like it sometimes. I'm not, I don't have an aversion to it. The horror that scares me the most is the home invasion horror. <laughs> Ooh, that really gets me. I usually try to avoid avoid those movies. Although there was a really good one I watched recently that I did enjoy. I think it was called ready or not. So good. Yeah. And even like, I love I, everything Samara weaving is in. Yes. She's so good. And, um, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Also, it's not a great, it needs a better title really. Cause it's mm-hmm. not such a generic title, but mm-hmm. a friend was like, no, you have to watch it. I'm really glad she, she told me to watch it. Cause I did really like it. I, I love a cult horror. I love, um, possession movies and exorcism movies, which is kind of funny because I'm not Catholic or Christian. So like, I've never really been afraid of the devil and I'm still not. So those movies don't really scare me, but maybe that's why intriguing. They're still so intriguing. And maybe that's why I like them too, because I'm not, you know, if I watch a home invasion movie, I'm not going to sleep. Or if I watch a, (laughs) you know, the ring, like really traumatized me, even though I love, that movie but i could watch like a million devil movies and just like sleep like a baby (laughs) yeah that makes sense i did try to watch that new russell crowe exorcist i didn't make it i didn't make it through he's got an accent i don't know (laughs) yeah i wanted to to give it a good college try but yeah yeah, i didn't make it i love constantine that's a great uh exorcism movie they keep saying they're going to make a sequel I have been hearing that it's they it, still say they're going to they do it still, and they're going to bring Keanu back. He says he wants to do it. So mm-hmm. I know he's on the upswing right now. So, or has been for a little while. So maybe they'll finally do it. Yeah. Maybe after he's done with John wick five, six and seven. Yeah, right. I know <laughs> <laughs> John wick 23. <laughs> and you know what? I'll still go see it. <laughs> I really, I really like those movies a lot too. <laughs> Stop getting dogs, dude. There's something a little <laughs> horror about that with like the high table, like that sort of conspiracy culty stuff in the movie. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this would be a place where we start to uh, talk about the common themes that will come up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share what at least has come up for me. And then if you think uh, right, you can say that, or if you think I'm wrong, you'd say that, or if you think there's something in addition to what I've said that you want to add, feel free. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is like my psychological assessment. I'm going to get like a <laughs> diagnosis at the end. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You forgot that part of the, the preamble at the beginning, Steve, this is, this is not meant to be a therapy oh, session or whatever. I, you're right. I did forget to say that. I mean, I feel like I'm going to get a code to give to my insurance company. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> hey, we can start doing that. 
That's a thing. Oh, God. We usually also <laughs> preface the interview with uh, just just saying, you know, if there are any questions you don't want to answer, pass is yeah. always an option. Okay. But, no, but no, no, we no, do try okay. to like address the fact that it's it is a bit half therapy, half horror interest. Yeah, right. so that's part of it. Yeah, okay, all right. Half, hit, half psychology, half horror. Hit me with your assessment. <laughs> <laughs> so really, it sounds like, like so. There's a couple different things, but I think it's all coming up under um empowerment and uh or issues about power imbalances particularly with mm-hmm. society and families the things that have come up a number of times are things about how society structures itself what society is afraid of our place in society even bend bend it like beckham girls who want to play soccer but girls aren't oh supposed God, to play soccer you're so right um and then the changeling and the and ghost stuff uh terrifying but sympathetic there's there's this part of what was what was it you said? There was something about family duty or expectations, like uh, legacies and inheritance, right? That sort of thing that can't be escaped from, uh, or not easy to be escaped from, and then you getting roped into that. So, but like I said, that also I think kind of falls under social expectations and mm-hmm. empowerment or lack of empowerment in relation to that. I mean, you, you got me (laughs) and you know, even the changeling, like, I don't want to give too much away about the changeling, but a lot of, um, the 1980 movie, I mean, a lot of that is also about, you know, it starts off as sort of a a simple ghost story. You know, there's some kind of, not even an apparition, but like, there's something in the house, someone is here, who is it? But when you find out who it is and get into it, a lot of it is also about, you know justice and and injustice that's been done because of who we value in society and who we think we can throw away Mm -hmm. um which is maybe part of the devil's backbone too and yeah i'm like very fascinated with with power it makes me think of um really what saturnalia is about too because it's about who has power and who doesn't Mm -hmm. and a main character who is trying to you know find her footing in a society where she's like not on top any idea what why it is that that speaks to you? Yeah, because you know I'm like a social justice warrior at heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean I care about about fairness, and I I care about how we treat people and and who is marginalized, and you know who who has power and how they they wield it. Um, and I I think that's what uh, you know a lot of horror is, is just really about and who counts as, as fully human. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that even in monster stories. That's also there of the ghosts too, because it, you know, ghosts are scary because they challenge our ideas of who is a person and who isn't right. <laughs> even like mm-hmm. how, what, you know, being alive or, or not being alive. And I think it's important to, use our storytelling to not just exploit our, you know, socialized ideas about who counts as human just for thrills and, and fear, but also to sort of challenge them and be like, why, why is this figure scary? Is it because there's something inherently wrong with them? Or is it because we've decided that this is a category of being that, is different from us and therefore we don't like them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But that way that, that tracks. Yeah. 
So why horror? Could you not explore some of these topics in other genres? Yeah, but then where's the fun in that? <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun. There's your answer. Yeah, it's more fun. I mean, I, yeah, to get back to that question about like, why do some people like horror? And I think it's just, that's sort of like where my taste goes and what my, my aesthetic is. But, and you could definitely ask these questions in other types of storytelling, but I think horror is really like uniquely well suited to explore sort of these most important questions that we have as people. And, you know, I love, you know, pushing the genre to do just that. It is definitely one of the genres that is best suited to exploration, obviously sci-fi being another big one. Yeah. Um, I guess you do ghosts in space that, that has been partially done. I do ghosts in space. Not necessarily well, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, is there anything that you've thought of that might be relevant that hasn't come, come up on the call or something that you thought of earlier that you didn't get a chance to say? Yeah, I mentioned my favorites. We went back into my childhood. <laughs> I got to wax a little bit on the academic stuff. I think that's everything. Okay. This has been really fun. It has. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Great. Well, thank you so much. Our pleasure. And thank you to anybody out there listening. Uh, if you like what we're doing, tell a friend. <laughs> <laughs>